when you get into the ag market, um, right. the hierarchy is pretty flat. Okay. So when you, and I think that's something that we learn is you, it's a very social community and it makes sense when you think about people in business, these are all businesses, um, they are all running ranches and farms in remote locations. So it makes sense that they build online communities. And Absolutely. so we actually have had a lot of very high level customers find our product and go all the way through straight to the shopping page from Facebook. It's very okay. common, very common. But again, just like you, I would have never suspected that. Welcome to the Winning E-Commerce Experience Show, where it's all about creating a brand that your customers love so they keep coming back. This show is brought to you by DataQ. Your store experience begins with your homepage. DataQ improves your conversion rate up to 30% by showing each visitor a personalized homepage based on their interest. And now your host, Sharam Enver. Hey guys, our guest today joined Banal Tech in December of 2019 as the Chief Revenue Officer to lead growth and strategic partnerships. Hannah Parsons, great to have you with us. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. So we were just talking about how, um, you know, when, when you're working as a Chief Revenue Officer, there's, um, there's, there's obviously like, I think, a lot of assumptions that go with, with that title, right? Like when you're talking about leading up, leading growth, there's so many potential things that you could, you, you could be doing. So um, how would you describe your role? Uh, what is it that you do? Uh, well, I think my role is, is really in a small startup, whatever needs to be done, right? And <laughs> the second is, is um, really identifying all the different ways that we can grow the company. And so uh, for, to begin with, I think it's looking at what was working now, what was start working when I started with the company so that we can continue to kind of hit that bullseye and expand it. And then how we look at growing into outer rings, both in channels and segments, and then ultimately um, growing into larger strategic partnerships. So really trying to look at overall growth of the company without losing sight of what is working for our existing customers today. So, you know, the usual, usually you know, on the show, we typically speak to the founder. Um, and so the, the, the fact that you were hired, um, you know, to, to, to do this role, it, it's, it's a very clear sign that Barnal Tech is really growing because that's, 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 that's a really good sign, right? Like where that's just generally like, you know, in, in the early stages as a founder, you wear 50 hats. And then eventually you realize that you can't do it. And then you, you need to sort of segment um, different roles. And I would say, I mean, I guess a lot of people would have different opinions, but growth is the fundamental thing in any, in any business. So I'm, I'm sure like a lot of people today are now really curious, um, um, you know, in terms of growth, uh, what exactly you know they could be doing. So before we get into that, I think let's add a little bit more context too. Um, Tell us about Barnal Tech. Absolutely. So Barnal essentially automates the monitoring of remote and mobile assets with an AI-powered surveillance platform. So if you think of if you think of Nest or something like or not Nest, um, Ring when you put it on people put it on their front door and they're looking at, and that's all Wi-Fi powered. It's something like that, but it's it's for areas without infrastructure. So when you're thinking about rural 
assets and in the middle of nowhere where there's no infrastructure, no power, no internet. Um, so we deploy cameras with a software solution so that people can keep an eye on their property. Right. And so you've got a very clear value proposition there and you've got a very clear, cause you know, part of what you mentioned there was essentially talking about what makes you different. Right. And, and I think that that's a, that's, I think one of those essential like one-on-one things, which I think a lot of people forget when they're thinking about um, pitching a product. It's like you, you have to describe exactly why you are different. And, and part of that is really understanding who your customer is, because that's when you know what they value. And in this case, you mentioned rural, they don't have much infrastructure. So this is like our, our you know, value prop. Um, tell us about your customer. Um, is this something which uh, you, you, I mean, clearly because you designed the product, it, it, it went in with a customer in mind, but is that assumption um, of who your customer was different from when it began? Is this something you can speak to or like it's, it's always been very... No, absolutely. I can, I can speak to this. Um, our customer is exactly who it was intended for in the beginning and I'll tell you why. Uh, our founder grew up in uh, uh, farms, working on farms, his family farms, in rural Nebraska and Wyoming. And so he grew up riding a horse and checking fence lines and water tanks and, you know, driving the perimeter of the, of the farms. He then um, went to the Air Force Academy and became a, a fire pilot where he had access to all kinds of surveillance technologies, right? Mm -hmm. And so when he had those two experiences, just like, why in the world are we still driving around farms and ranches to check on these things when we could have a different solution? And so, um, so I think like, like any good business, you can only experience sales and growth if you're solving a real problem for real people. Mm. And so he then began, yeah. uh, when he was in grad school at Wharton, he started Barnow um, to serve the farm and ranch communities. And so that has been our beachhead. That's been our um, gateway kind of into our customer base. We have over 700 customers mm -hmm. and largely in the ag market, but not all farmers and ranchers. And so as, as any product, you know, that was who we have been targeting. That is who we're focusing on right now. But within that, you also end up with other customers who are monitoring other things. We have customers who are in construction, in rural law enforcement, um, in mm -hmm. utility infrastructure. So when you think about all the different people that need that solution, there are a lot of industries impacted. Yeah, and that's really where I was going with that question. Um, so maybe it wasn't phrased well where I said, like, is it different? But um, you, you tend to start off with these assumptions on who you're looking to serve. And now it's really interesting that, uh, you know, you've got people like folks from construction and law enforcement that um, have come in. Has this changed your thinking at all in terms of how you're marketing yourself or branding yourself? Or you know what I mean? Because now you, you're clearly seeing different segments of the market and as part of growth i guess you also want to communicate to these folks too right yes yes and you know, that's some of the stuff that we can address as we talk about um, our website and how we're starting to target those individuals i think it's really important that we continue to serve our existing customer base so like mm -hmm. i said earlier not alienating those people but then how do we start to segment and test other audiences whether it be you know even within the farming and ranching industry you may target um you know people that are looking at for security purposes, others are looking to watch their calving and foaling operations. 
Um, so they're all different. There are a lot of different groups within each segment. And so it doesn't really change it. But then what we're doing is we're adding to it. So we're mm. trying to ensure that what we have been doing well, we continue to grow. And then we test that in other segments of those industries. So we, you'll, we'll, you'll see on the site where we started to add solutions and landing pages for different solutions within the ag market. And we're preparing to roll some of those out in some of the other segments like construction and job site surveillance. Right. So it sounds like a busy, busy road because I mean, essentially, you, you, it sounds like that's a lot of analysis involved here, right? Because it's not just saying we're going to go to market and see what happens. It's like starting with a set of hypotheses and then testing it out and then adjusting as you go along. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to dive into that a little bit because this is something which I think people can learn from. Um, I mean, it's, it's a very useful uh, process that you're talking about. So, so walk us through um, maybe from start to finish, like, you know, just a one-on-one, one-on-one kind of uh, idea. So, you know, let's say that we've got someone who's, who's got a business idea, maybe they've got a product. Um, what does that process look like? So you make some hypotheses and then you, you, you sell it and like, do you integrate things like talking to the customer after you sell it or how does that like pipeline look if, if you will? Well, I think all of those things, and it depends on how and where you're selling. So I think if it, if you're selling online and you're yeah, trying but, to focus on your funnel to see where they're falling out. Right. So it's a bit like positive signals and negative signals, right? Like you're really looking to learn from both of these things. So, um, I mean, you, you, you mentioned a really important word there, which I think is like, it's very basic for most marketers, but perhaps like for people who are starting out, they're not very sure, like the idea of a funnel. Right. And that's so important because, yeah, I mean, that's the whole concept of what we do in terms of growth, right? You're really looking to attract more relevant people into your funnel, so to speak, and then try to make your funnel as efficient as possible. Right. Um, how do you think about setting up, you know, in terms of, say, a basic funnel? Because you, I think you and I know like funnels can get very complex. You can have many, many different types of funnels depending on the channel and things like that. Um, you know, like, is this something which, as uh, starting off, would you say just set something basic up in Google Analytics, or how, how would how would you, you know, give something, say something to somebody who's very new to this, thinking like how like how how could they get started with setting up this panel and visualizing it? You know, I think I think it can be. You know, we, we happen to use Shopify. So whatever tools people use, you know, whether you're using Google Analytics, which most people are going to be using. So between, you know, uh, Google Analytics and your whatever your shopping pages or Shopify and then maybe your um, CRM, whatever you're using for your email automation. Generally, especially when you have few customers to start, you really it makes it pretty easy to find out who's on your site. Where did they come from? And then if that converted to a sale, then then focus on that thing because it worked. And for us, that's, for example, we, we noticed early on that, okay, we, are, we have a lot of ag customers and they, believe it or not, are finding our page from our Facebook page. Mm. And our founder would never have guessed that Facebook would have been the place to target farmers and ranchers. And honestly, when we talk to people about that, they have a hard time believing it. But we figured out what works. Facebook ads were what were attracting our customers and so by those things, we started to focus, great, then Facebook ads are a great start to the funnel, getting people onto the site, onto the shopping page and converting to sales and then into the email uh, automation. And mm. so honestly, for Barnout to begin with, that was the single funnel that the company has focused on to get over 600 customers. 
So you define the funnel in this case in terms of the channel, right? Like where you're, where you're getting that incoming traffic. And I, and I think that's a useful topic to yeah. talk about because, um, you, you know, I'm, I'm a member of quite a few uh, e-commerce groups and some of like the most basic questions people get are things like, um, my sales have dropped this week, uh, I don't know why. Uh, my conversion rate is really low, I don't know why. And, you know, the thing that's always coming in my mind is, well, that's because you're asking the wrong question. Like you need to segment that till you get to the point where you see like exactly what caused it. So, so I, it's really, it's really great to hear you saying that, like you define the funnel in Facebook group. So, sorry, Facebook ads. So I'm assuming you had many, many different channels and then you saw, Hey, this one's working really well. So we're going to focus on this. So that sounds like something which everybody should really, so, so maybe from Shopify, is that what you did where you went to the dashboard and you looked at sort of, the conversions by channel and you start, Hey, this is working. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And you can also tell if, if you're really engaging with your customers, which you have to, mm -hmm. you're going to see where they're coming from. So we have, to, we have a chat bot on our website. We have a chat, you know, on Facebook and you're going to start to see where your messaging is coming from. Mm -hmm. And so if you have a lot of engagement with your customers, which at this, at all stages you should, but especially at the early stage, you need to be knowing if this is working for your customers at what questions they have. So, based on all their questions, that helps inform what language you use on your website, right? What FAQs mm -hmm. and all of those things. So if you're engaging with your customers, you're going to know where they are and yeah. how to find them. And then, and then absolutely double down on that. And then, you know, if for some reason you're like, man, all these people are here and they're asking questions, but they're not purchasing, then you have a problem somewhere further down the, down the mm -hmm. line. And I call them holes in the bucket. So then you've got a hole in the bucket. <laughs> Leaks, right? Yeah. Um, right. So, so let, let's, let, let's, uh, talk about that situation right now. So you, you, you did the analysis and you found that Facebook ads are the ones that are working really well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, does that mean you, I mean, clearly you're prioritizing Facebook ads right now, but what does that mean for the other channels? Does that mean that you think, hang on, maybe the channel is going to work well for us, but we just have the wrong strategy. So I still want to try. Well, how do you, how do you think about this? Because clearly you don't want to keep putting effort into something that's not working, but you also want to make sure that you did the right thing and you did yeah. the right test. Right. So it's a delicate balance. Now, I think that's a great question. We, um, and you, mind you, all of this happened before I joined the company, right? right. So when I joined in December, um, we were have asking that exact question. So we just said, you know, so there was a very, very small team doing everything. So three, two and a half people really were doing everything from fulfillment to marketing to everything. And so, um, so when I joined the company, they were at that process. Facebook is really working, but we need to tighten it up, get our um, SEO and SEM figured out. We, right. we retained a digital marketing company to help with some of these things because we knew based on that traffic, the same things would likely work in other channels. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that we needed more expertise and more hands to, to make it really work. And so sure. since then now we've, we've um, started into, um, into, you know, now we're starting with Google, we're preparing to start with Amazon, some of those things. So, so I'm just trying to read between the lines of what you said, right? And it yeah. sounds to me like you made these core assumptions that there are these channels that maybe they didn't work so well, but that's mostly our fault because it's clearly working well in the market. So maybe like you've got, Maybe like essentially to answer that question, I guess it's like you're, it looks like you're dividing the channels into two. 
one are sort of like experimental ones, which you're not sure about, but ones which are clearly have to work, like SEO, mm -hmm. SEM with Google and Amazon. Yeah. Is, is yeah. that what you did? It, or? it is true. I mean, we knew that this, this one segment, this ag market was really working with Facebook, but we also know that we have a lot of other customers. Yeah. So what we're doing was testing um, some of the organic search terms that yeah. we were targeting. So for example, while um, in our Facebook um, target audience they're they're looking at words like barn cameras mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing in our Google AdWords and we're looking at things like remote surveillance right. so I think what we decided to do was let's test these you know maybe we were just using the same language in this channel mm -hmm. and we need to use other things and so through our through this you know last few months we've started to identify what what search terms and things work better on different sites and, and I think a big part of that is this concept of intent, right? Because yes. um, in each of these channels, um, I mean, obviously this is a very generic statement, so it's going to be different for each cu customer, but people in Facebook are generally higher up the funnel. They're not specifically looking to purchase. They're really looking to mm -hmm. like find things. And Google is a little bit further down the line and Amazon is like right there. Like if you're on Amazon, yeah. you want to buy something. So, mm -hmm. so I'm assuming, these kind of behaviors are also just related to that. Uh, maybe, so your content on Facebook should be more perhaps research focused where people are really likely to get to know you and then maybe convince you. Is that, is that something which you guys have been considering or not so much of a You know, I mean, I think it's both. Our, our, when you get into the ag market, um, right. the hierarchy is pretty flat. Okay. So when you, and I think that's something that we learn is you, it's a very social community and it makes sense when you think about people in business, these are all businesses, um, they are all running ranches and farms in remote locations. So it makes sense that they build online communities. Absolutely. And so we actually have had a lot of very high level customers find our product and go all the way through straight to the shopping page from Facebook. It's very okay. common, very common. But again, just like you, I would have never suspected that yeah. in the beginning yeah i, I mean it, it 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 to me it seems very clearly as uh, an example of you knowing your customer well because what you just said is a really good insight right like you just said that look uh, my customers are you know doing ranches so it's pretty clear that they're going to have online communities so maybe you know for everybody listening it's like it's that think about where your customer is hanging out what are they doing right um mm -hmm. and so do you have a process in place that because you know you mentioned chatbots and engaging mm -hmm. with them but uh clearly like a big uh, ingredient to success is getting to know your customer how do you do this like do you make it a process that you or is it like ad hoc which you're just trying to get better at how do you how do you think about this absolutely i think it's something that we're we're always trying to get better at we happen to have a remarkable customer support team Mm -hmm. And so our customer support team actually knows our customer base incredibly well. In fact, most of our customers would know who that person is by name, who leads oh, that product. Great. That's okay? a good and so anytime I have a question about any customer, first of all, we, we, have, a, we have the ability to know what their problem is. We know what they're, they're looking to monitor. So mm -hmm. if it's, if they're, we know if they are having a problem with horse theft in florida because that's a big problem and we know that because they they message us on a chat or in a call or in an email whatever channel or what other whatever tool they try to reach out to us and they tell us that when someone told me that 
poaching horses in Florida was a problem for black market meat. I, I had never heard of that. <laughs> so I had to research that and comes to find out. And I called the customer and I said, you've got to be kidding me. How big a problem is this? <laughs> and then sure enough, it's a very large problem. And so, but by talking to that customer, I now understand when I see sales coming through in the equine industry in Florida, it's a significant problem. And so it, you, there's no way to get to know that other than talking to your customers. Right. And, and a part of talking to your customers is to open up as many channels as you can. So you mentioned having a great customer support team. You, you've mentioned having a chat um, widget. Um, you know, when we go get to the website, we can see it. So I guess that's like uh, principal advice number two after knowing your customer. It's like if you really want to get to know them, open up as many channels as you can. And I suppose relevant channels, right? Because I guess each customer segment is different in the way they like to communicate. So maybe... Uh, you know, for like rural customers, especially because it's uh, they they're, they're used to having to be online and look for answers online. Maybe this this helps a lot. Maybe others prefer email. Uh, I don't know, but I guess it makes sense for you to think about what's the most relevant way to get in touch with your customers. Right, it is, and I think increasingly with e-commerce, the more the more you can make it available to them without the f phone call. I think most people are starting to get to a place where they want to be able to find these questions online, either through a knowledge mm. base or through a, um, a chat bot or a quick text or something. And because they're also trying to save time, you know, they don't want to end up having to be on the call for a long time. Or I think right now, a lot of people are suspicious about customer service. They're not sure they're going to get a person. And so, uh, so they may not call because they assume nobody's going to answer. So yeah. um, I think the more that you can make those things available in any Whichever way you want to do, give us a call, send us an email, give us a chat, whichever. So um, this makes me wonder what your view is versus um, being proactive and reactive, because everything you mentioned is essentially people saying, hey, I have a question and you want to, being proactive here is like giving them that material upfront because you know this is a very frequently asked question so they can go check it out. Um, do you find that you there are instances where you want to reach out to the customer specifically and say, hey, I have a question for you. How can we improve? Like, do you guys do a lot of that um, as well? Yeah. We do. We do that in a few formats. Um, one, we'll do it in a form of a survey, just periodically, because we're constantly working on our features. We're getting ready to roll out a new web app. Right. Um, so we'll reach out to those. And sometimes, you know, we get a pretty good response rate on surveys, but we also know who our biggest users are um, right. based on, you know, so we will call them and ask them specifically. Uh, we will also then see sometimes, you know, purchases come, a high number of purchases coming from an area, and you're like, they must know each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So then, or you, or like the customer I mentioned in Texas or in Florida with the horses. And so then we'll pick up the phone and say, we'd like to know more about how you're using it. Um, I, I saw an uptick in uh, questions and orders from people in civil engineering. So I said, that seems interesting and like an industry we should uh, tap into. And I reached out and I'll just follow up with a quick personal email to someone and say, I hope you don't mind, but I'm really curious if we could have a call and talk about this and almost always they say yes. Yeah, and you know that's, and I think it's very clear that you guys, um, you know, have a very good person around it because everything you mentioned shows a very good understanding of who your customer is, and I and I and I think that's very good feedback for everybody listening in that um, you can be proactive as well as you don't have to just wait for the customer to get in touch with you if that's something which you feel they like can help make their lives better, go for it, right? Yes, and I think the more personal you can make 
the process of working with your customers and especially for for our service um, it is not a one-time purchase mm -hmm. it's it's a it's a monitoring situation so we want to always make sure that the product is meeting their needs to find out as we develop new features that we're doing them correctly um, because you know so so we we feel like it's an ongoing relationship with those customers not just a point of sale so I'm excited. I think uh, we, we've, we've got a really good sense now of you know, who the customer is. Um, let's jump into the website and um, I'd love for you to take us through uh, sort of those core assumptions that um, built that experience. Okay, great. So then I need to... trying to figure out how to share my screen from here. <laughs> it's always a, that's a green button there, share screen. Yeah, it's the, yeah there we go, let me get cool. There we go. Okay, see in the website? Yep. Okay, great. So this is our homepage. And I think um, one of the important things to note is we just take a very practical approach to making sure that the website says what we do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, first of all, we always want to make sure that people know how they can get a hold of us, like we talked about. So, we have a phone number right here. Um, we have this chat button down here if somebody wants to click on that. Um, and then we uh, recently, actually, we, we um, changed this little chat bot. One of the things we did recently was to change that so that um, it only triggers on certain, or we, or we have a pop-up. Sorry, let me get to this. Well, let's do a quick overview. So, here's our homepage. We have the contact information, the chat bot, and this shows the product, right? So we have, right. here's what the, what the actual camera looks like. Here's how the app works on your mobile device, which most of our customers use our product on a mobile device. And then here's how it works on a screen. So very clear, all the different things um, that we, we need the customer to understand right away. And then whether they want to find more information and have a one-on-one -on -one consultation, or if they're ready to shop. Mm -hmm. And then right up here, here's, um, you know, very specific information around self-service for how they're, how they can, the, the data plan works, the web app instructions, both if they just are curious if they order um, and then, or if they order it and down the road want to move their product and, and have lost their instructions. And then here is what you and I were talking about earlier, where we make sure that we're building out landing pages for each of these um, sub-segments sub, sub of our customer base. So right now we have several who use them for barn cameras. Um, and that may be to watch to make sure their water tank has water in it without, I mean, it may be something as simple as that where they don't want to drive and see if there's water in the water tank. Um, farm security, this has been, we've seen an increase in, in property security uh, needs during COVID where people can't, maybe their employees can't all go to work. So they're working on a, with a reduced labor force mm -hmm. and remote uh, surveillance and then trail cameras. And a lot of people use cameras and solutions like this when they're hunting. Mm -hmm. So this is where we've been building out the different solutions and there's going to be a, a lot more to come. So that's just the quick, you know, as we scroll down here, we have a video intro, some testimonials, ratings and credibility, just a basic how the whole thing works. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of questions around cellular data. Mm -hmm. um, so you can see where all the places it works. We have a billing and a map to make sure that we have people can get coverage. So what can I monitor, download a guide, how can you save money, and then all the, all the basic information. So, you know, it's very, it's just very practical. The thing I notice here is that you, 
the, the sales pitch is very subtle. It seems like a lot of the content here is, you know, I was going through your site, it's very focused on content um, teaching because I'm assuming maybe it's the same insight that your founder had that maybe farmers don't think about this, is, that this is possible. So you're really looking to educate them that this is possible and answer any questions that they have and just trust that once they're convinced that they are going to hit that shop now button. Because, you know, yes. your usual e-commerce, uh, you would see some carousels with some prices and some uh, like yeah. products on that. But you, it, it has, was that a conscious decision not to feature that? Yes, it has been a conscious decision. And I think because, again, like we said, we have a, we have a very practical customer base. And, um, and so it is, it is an educational process because a lot of, if you think about security and, mm -hmm. and surveillance services, a lot of the, that industry has been targeting very um, expensive, infrastructure-heavy, network-driven uh, systems. And so it's really important for us with our customer base to help them understand that this is possible, like you said, that it's this simple, it's just this simple, um, and that it works in a rural area. So, so for a lot of our customers, they kind of, um, they may start with one or two products, let's say, because they're like, really? And they may test it just to see how this works. And then they follow up and order more because they realize how, what a great solution it is for monitoring, uh, monitoring many things. Mm. I mean, it, and, and the other thing is like, this is also not very standard where you have the need help and call the number. Uh, you mentioned this uh, earlier on in the podcast where it seems like your target group don't expect to get to a human being with customer service. And so you're just like really putting that front and center just to challenge mm -hmm. that assumption, so to speak, right? Right. Yes. And I mean, we get, we, we do get some phone calls, but increasingly with the addition of the chat bot, we get a lot more questions through, through this than we do uh, with the phone call, but at least people know that they can call. And I think sometimes it's mm -hmm. knowing that there's an actual U.S. phone number, there's a, I'm going to get a person, um, they may or may not call, but it can also give them, I think, confidence when they purchase to know that mm -hmm. um, if, I, if I have a problem, there's a phone number, I, I can call someone. And so I want to just be careful here for people listening that this is not exact. This is not something which everybody should do. This is like no. very clearly deliberately done because the type of product that you are selling requires, I guess, a lot of it's a, it's, it's a very sophisticated product that you, the person who's buying it needs to really understand before, you know, versus the toothbrush, which is like the extreme, uh, you know, where you probably don't need help or do some current I'm on the call. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want anyone looking at this and just applying everything here. I, I think the, the lesson learned here is just really appreciate what kind of questions your customer would have. And if they are a lot, then perhaps a kind of home page design like this might be very helpful. Yes. And I think you also would never want to do this if you didn't have the infrastructure to support it. So we emphasize our support. Uh, our customer support is you know, are not creating value for our customers, reliability and support are, are right. three of our differentiators. And so for us, um, that customer support feature is really important because they want, you know, people do have questions about, does this tie into my, my cell phone or is it on a separate cellular plan? So you, you certainly wouldn't want to do this if you did not have the infrastructure to support it as well. Gotcha. So can you take us through the buying process? So let's say I read this and I'm thinking, huh, this sounds interesting. So show Great. us how that looks. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's really simple. If you just go uh, here to, this is our, these are our three, we, we simplified it. These are our three top selling products. So this is the, the basic, you can buy just one range cam, you can buy an essential uh, bundle, or you can add the solar bundle. And so the, this is where we start. And then as people look through here, then they may come over here to accessories, very simple again, and then they can add. Um, whether they, they if they have access to power, they can add a power adapter, they can add a replacement antenna, batteries, and then um, if we, you know, they click through if they need specific mounts, blocks. So it's just, it's very simple, clean. So it sounds like when someone's coming in for the first time, uh, they are most likely obviously going to want to get the camera. But then once they get the camera, uh, now their most likely thing that you can sell is hopefully another camera. If they've got another installation, they can yeah. use it, but more likely the accessories, correct? Yes. Yes. I mean, probably one of the things, uh, what ends up happening is if they try, let's say they just get a range cam very often, um, if they come back, they'll come back and buy a bundle because they'll realize I like having, I like having the, um, solar panel, not having to, to always work with batteries. Um, they will maybe if they realize they have some power that they can that they can connect to and then maybe a lock if they're worried about theft and then these types of things they may buy the camera and not yet know where they want to put them so they may come back and buy some kind of screw mount or other mount because they've realized there's another place they'd like to put it um, gotcha. but most often if people come back they're buying additional cameras and, and how do you think about this because it's clearly the first time customer in terms of profile and what they'll buy is very distinct from the second time, right? Like the returning person, like, I mean, we just talked about the accessories. So does that influence the way you do marketing or change your homepage at all just to try to recognize this? Or is this something that's not really an issue? No, no, it is something we're thinking about. It's actually something we're preparing to do because we've seen so many people come back and buy multiple cameras and we're seeing um, an increase in demand from mm -hmm. the surveillance market versus just the ag market. And so probably what you'll see uh, coming up is going to be on this front page, um, on the cameras page here, it's more of a camera kit. So if people wanna buy in multiples of five cameras or 10 cameras. And so instead of buying one camera with a kit, then you can be, you're gonna see um, a menu that's gonna say one camera, three cameras, five cameras, and then also uh, a different shopping option for data plans. So we're getting ready to roll that out probably in the next three months because we're seeing a, such an increase in the number of people coming back and buying multiple cameras or even starting out buying multiple cameras. So we started to see um, more people working in the security market, you know, around right. rural assets and they know they have a better idea of what they need. And so, so, so tell me what the process looked like, the, like, because it, it seems essentially that you made a data backed decision here, right? Because you, you, you just mentioned that you looked at the sales. So, Mm -hmm. um, was that just this analysis that you do maybe every X period and you think, Hey, this is what the sales, this is the way people are buying our stuff. And the way we're presenting it seems to be different from the way people are consuming it. So like, how do we bridge that gap? So, you know, how yeah. did you guys think about that? Actually the opposite of that. Okay. We looked at, um, how do we keep, how do we, again, how do we keep taking care of our existing customers that are finding our product and serving what they need, but right. how do we also start building um, the right sales model for our desired growth? Mm -hmm. So we were setting out what does our growth need to look at? Because I think 
you know, if you don't set out with a plan, you're never going to get there. So we had to look at what, what are our revenue goals, both on the hardware side and the software side, and what's the most efficient way to get there. And so, so that's what we'll, you'll see coming up is when we roll out the new uh, kind of product offering, we will still have people who can buy a camera or a bundle and that subscription plan that goes with it. We are also going to switch to a hardware subscription model where when we have bigger users and they need 10 to 100 cameras, they can bundle the hardware and software cost into one subscription pay, uh, price and then we can sell that model. And we did that based on two things. One, because we believe it's the right revenue model for Barn Owl. Mm-hmm. And two, because we believe it makes it um, simpler for a lot of our other target customers because it reduces the capital uh, expenditure dollars and allows them to put it into their operating dollars. So, some, But it's, it's been a process say, of saying, here's what we think it needs to be. Will it work? And then going to talk to customers and the next step will be testing that model. So we're getting ready to test that in some municipal markets um, and, and some others. So that's Sounds what, like that's it's going to be very busy, Hannah, for the next few months. Well, that's the goal, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, listen, this has been very, very helpful. Is there anything else that you feel in terms of advice that we may have missed out on? I know you we've know, covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my biggest advice is uh, two things. One is not to overcomplicate it. Um, I think it's really great for people to remember that perfect is the enemy of done sometimes. And so you sometimes you just have to put something together and put it out and see if it works um, and then figure out if it didn't, why and where. And then the second thing is um, not to be afraid to get help. So I think it's a good investment sometimes if it's not your area. I mean, I'm not a professional marketer necessarily. I build partnerships and growth. Um, so get help when you need it and in and, and very specific things. And e-commerce is complicated. And if your time is better spent elsewhere and your revenue can cover it, then get people to help with your e-commerce so that then you can focus on your growth strategy. That's very sage advice. Hannah, thank you so much. It's been great having you on. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. You're still here, which means you definitely enjoyed that conversation. This is a special COVID-19 e-commerce miniseries to help small business merchants out there get prepared. We're doing a lot more of these, so be the first to know whenever there's a new episode. Just follow DataQ, that's D-A-T-A-C-U-E on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Stay safe out there, everybody. Till next time, this is Sharam.